This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes in bright stars through the perilous fight o'er oh, the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets rained When we first begun 
are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Uh, Today I'm going to be sharing with you about uh, a false image of God that is being taught in our society. Now, our image and understanding of God's characteristics are very, very important to us. How we relate to Him, you know, depends on, you know, what we think about Him and, and you know, uh, His image and everything. You know, when we meet new people, we try to ask them questions and we talk with them and try to find out their likes and dislikes so we can relate to them without upsetting them and you know um, be friends with them and you know if we have several different friends in our life they, there's some of our friends that we might act different with than other friends because we know that they're so touchy about certain subjects or something it might upset them so we don't want to upset them and everything 
So to be correctly and better related to God, we need to know more accurately about God's true image than what is being taught in our Christian society today by our Christian leaders. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 states, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through a knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So the better we can uh, know about God and His correct image and everything, the better we can be related to Him and, um, and have that joy of the fellowship with Him. Now, you may be shocked by some of the stuff I share today because it's very different. And it'll, it'll make you more responsible to God. Uh, but we're all responsible anyway, whether we know this information or not, especially since it's written in the Bible. And I'm going to give you scripture after scripture after scripture like I had to show you. It's not just what I'm going to say that this is what I believe or something like this. I'm going to share with you the scriptures. Yeah, I will be sharing that this is what I believe in something because I do believe it and everything. But I'm going to be sharing you the scripture so you can make the choice of whether you want to accept what the scripture says or not. And, and it'll be so great if you do because we grow in faith by accepting God's word. And God's word, however you receive it, however you receive his word, if you accept and receive his word into your heart, you're growing in faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. If we accept it, if we reject it, it's unbelief. So uh, be careful as you listen to all these scriptures I share because I didn't put them in there. You know, I may be bringing them out and, and revealing them and pointing them out to you and everything, but uh, these same scriptures are in your Bibles too. The, those of you listening, you know, and it, I'm just trying to, you know, well, bring them out to you so you'll have the knowledge of these. Now, before we hear um, our lack of knowledge in, in areas like this, it's like the Apostle Paul, who was, you know, in ignorant unbelief. You know, he was around, going around persecuting, cr killing Christians, throwing them in jail and like this, and thought he was doing God's will. But when Jesus enlightened him and told him the truth, he said, Paul, Paul, you know, Saul, Saul, you know, this is his name then, he said, um, why persecutest thou men? And Saul says to him, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And immediately the apostle Paul says, Lord, what would you have me do? See, he, he turned a completely 180 degrees, you know, just going in reverse now of what he had been teaching and preaching and persecuting Christians. Now he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he started looking to serve the Lord. He was that open-minded, you know, like it. He once he found the truth, he wanted to go with it, and that's the way we should be too. Even if it's something that we haven't heard before, or haven't seen in the scriptures before. Now, if we confess to believe the God of the Bible, we must accept and believe His Word in the Bible, for He and His Word are the same. Now, just real briefly, uh, that I'm not going to be discussing in real detail this morning. Another incorrect teaching about God's image that is so accepted by everyone almost in our society is that God's in total control of everything. No, he's not. The scripture says in 1 John 5:19 that the devil's in control of this world. So how can that be? Matthew 20:18, Jesus says, All power in the heaven and earth is given unto me. So how is the devil in control? Well, when we, you and I, give the devil uh, control in our lives, 
when we voluntarily reject or disobey any of God's word, like 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11 says, Forgive others, lest you give Satan the advantage. Now see, when we, when we hold any unforgiveness, the scripture is saying we're giving Satan the advantage in our life, and in that particular area, whatever it might be, in some area, you know, the devil has control in that area, and you may not even know it. And uh, because he's so deceptive and everything like it, he'll sneak in and uh, in these areas where we're rejecting God's word. Now, look around you at the vast number of people in our society that hate Christianity, openly express it nowadays, do everything they can to get God out of our society or, you know, uh, any images of, you know, that remind us of God, you know, like the plaques of Ten Commandments and things like this, or nativity scenes at Christmas. Now, and not only that, even us Christians who in the 200 and something denominations or whatever the number is, teach opposite beliefs supposedly based on the Bible. And that can't be, you know, can't be true if you know they're right opposite and everything. So many Christians have not only rejected God's word to them, but they've opened up their lives to the devil by ignorantly accepting false beliefs and not taking the time to check out the scriptures for God's true word. Now, listen in. This information will change your life for good if you want to be close to the Lord. And you know, if, if we don't seek the Lord, that is an evil way in our life because in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, the scripture says, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So we can't just, you know, say, well... I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. Something like that. And feel like that we're going to be getting away from it. Because in Proverbs, it, the scripture points out clearly that, you know, God knows our hearts and he knows what we're thinking and like this. So, you know, we're going to have to answer for him someday for each of these things. But I want to help you today by, by bringing out these scriptures so that we can re all receive them positively into our heart, grow by faith grow closer together by, you know, the same faith, like it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, uh, one spirit, one God, one faith, and all of our teachers and preachers are supposed to be trying to, you know, draw us together in that one faith in verses 11, 12, and 13 of Ephesians 4. So coming together more in that one faith is what I'm going to try to be encouraging this morning and, and hope you join Let's get started in detail on this one, Dave, because I'm excited about it. It's it's something that, you know, it just uh, well excites me that many people might be touched this morning and drawn closer to the Lord because of his uh, better understanding of God's image. And I say because in our society, it's, it's just being completely neglected in this particular area. Uh, and this is that there's two areas that God in his sovereignty has decided that he's going to give up his knowledge about us in two areas. That's very important now. Um, what are these two areas? Well, the first one you've heard many, many, many times if you've gone to church and listened to sermons in this denomination or listened to that denomination when talk about salvation. God says several times in the scripture that he forgives and forgets our sins. Now, 
He forgives and forgets our sins. Listen to these scriptures. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, that's God speaking, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. See, he's, he chooses to do this for his own sake because he don't want to even remember those bad things about us. That, you know, We come to him, we repent, and we turn. Um, I've got children that I spanked years ago. You know, you're not allowed to spank kids now to days and everything, I guess, but I spanked my children. I remember and know that I did, but I don't remember a thing that I spanked them for now. See, I've, I've just forgotten it, you know. I, I don't care to even think about that. You know, that wasn't fun when I did it. It was discipline, something like that. But see, I don't even care to think about that. I don't want to think about the times we had together, you know, enjoying each other and all this. And, and that's the way God is uh, with us too here. He said we're creating His image, and that's Part of his image is that, you know, we don't hang on to those uh, forgiven and uh, sins or whatever like that. Things worked out with our children like that. We forget about them. Uh, but here God says, I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will remember them. I will not remember thy sins. Now, when he says for his own sake, what does he think about? In Jeremiah 29 11, God says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. See, he's thinking about us in a positive way like we think for our cute little grandkids or our cute little children and something like this. And, and man, we want them to grow up to be healthy and strong and, you know, be nice and to be courteous and with people and, and you know, for a positive outcome, you know, to go to school and learn and, and you know, be able to get a job and like that, you know, we, we want to see our children achieve and do things good like that. But we don't ever sit around thinking of bad things that we want, you know, well, we want them to fall down and break their leg, you know, day out in football or something like that. No, you don't ever think about that. You want to see that they be safe and prosperous in all that they do and happy and a joyful life. And that's the way God is with us. He says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. He doesn't sit around thinking of evil things for us and planning them out when they're going to happen and things like this. No. He says he'll forgive our sins and remember them no more. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four. Saith the Lord, I'll forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Hebrews eight twelve in the New Testament now. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Hebrews 10:17 and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Ezekiel 3:20 again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, his righteousness which he has done before shall not be remembered. Now see, that's in the Old Testament back there. When people were even righteous people like King Asa back in Second Chronicles chapter 15, 16, 17, he was a good king. But when he turned from the Lord, God sent a message to him. And he, he persecuted the prophet and uh, turned from the Lord and everything. He got an infection of his foot. He went to all the doctors in his kingdom and everything like that. But it says he died because he refused to turn to the Lord. That choice he made. He refused to turn to the Lord. And um, Ezekiel 33:13 says, All of his righteousness shall not be remembered. And things like this, you know. But now in our day, you know, if we have the Spirit of Christ in our heart, Christ in us, our hope of glory, and and 
you know, he'll forgive and forget our sins, but those unforgiven sins are going to be waiting for us at the judgment seat of Christ because it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 that we're going to have to answer for the good and bad. And the bad that's going to be in our life is going to be unforgiven sins. Now, people say that Jesus forgave all of our sins on the cross. No, he didn't. He made provision for all of our sins to be forgiven. But like we have to turn to him, ask forgiveness for our sins, for salvation, invite him to come into our heart. And then as we do things throughout the time like that, we have to ask forgiveness and get back in fellowship with him too. Because just like it says, if we hold unforgiveness, that sin of unforgiveness hadn't been forgiven until we turn to the Lord and ask him to forgive us of it. You know, like that, and like it says in First Peter three seven, husband, dwell your wives according to knowledge, being joint heirs of grace, life, as into the weaker vessel, lest your prayers be hindered. See, we got to deal with those things that we're doing wrong here now, after we receive Christ in our heart for salvation. But here, then, God tells us that He's going to forgive and forget these sins when we come to Him, and so make sure that your sins are all forgiven, because if if you don't, you know. Uh, well, at salvation, they're all forgiven at that time. But I'm talking about, you know, since then, you know, our unforgiveness and bitterness and things like this. And, you know, maybe lying every now and then, cheating and something like this. Make sure they're all forgiven because they're going to be waiting for you to the judgment seat of Christ if you don't. Now, God in his uh, sovereignty decided that he said up here for his own sake he will not remember our sins anymore now there's another area too where God does not uh, know something about us and it's because he chooses it to be that way he doesn't want puppets to come and worship him anymore you know, like that he had a heaven full of angels that he had just creatures he had created and then some of them rebelled. He only wants people to come to heaven that love or care for him enough that they will positively accept and receive his word. Like we have to call out to him, ask forgiveness to become a child of God, invite his spirit to come in our heart. And like Ezekiel uh, 36.26 says, A new heart also will give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, when he puts his spirit in us, then we become a child of God. But we have to initiate that. He's already sent his love to us. Jesus has already come and prepared the way, his perfect walk of faith and death on the cross and resurrection. All that has been uh, done for us and laid out for us. But we have to make the choice to receive him into our heart. And he's promised to bring us all to that knowledge. So in Romans 1.20, we're all without excuse. And also, uh, it says in Titus 2.11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation appeared to all men. But the Apostle Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 10, 11, that people perish because they reject the love of the truth when God brings them to that knowledge. And... Uh, in uh, Hebrews 4.2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. See, it says the word preached now. God's word, our knowledge of his word, our knowledge of salvation, word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That means that they didn't respond and receive his word into their heart, because if you reject his word, it's unbelief. And um, 
Jesus says in John 8, Therefore say unto you, Ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Now, there are, um, there, well, there is another area in our life where God has chosen not to know what we're going to do. And that is in the choice we're going to make. He gives us free will to make our choices. And he will not force us to choose him. He, he, and the devil can't keep us from choosing God. We have to, in a sense, stand before God when he brings his knowledge of, of his salvation to us. You know, like it said there in Hebrews 2, when the word is preached to us and we come to that knowledge in as a young person or however it is, whenever God brings that knowledge to you, you have to make the choice to receive his word or reject it like in that Second Thessalonians 2, 10, 11 where Paul says that people perish because they reject the love of the truth. When you come to that truth and knowledge of God and you reject the love of it because God is love and his word is love. He and his word are the same. You know, and His spirit is love. And when you reject in his love that he brings to you, that is why people go off into eternity because of rejecting God from their heart rejecting his love when he makes that offer and everything. Now, and he doesn't predestine us ahead of time to know what we're going to do and to have us set fixed in a way. Uh, I have some podcasts, you know, like that about uh, predestination and uh, God loving Esau. Look through some of those uh, podcasts that I mentioned to you a while ago and, and see just the scriptures in black and white what they say. But now, in this area, we're going to, have to take a short little break in a minute. But I want to read you some comments in three scriptures that God made himself. If you're still listening, I sure pray that you are. But anyway, for those of you who are, in Jeremiah 7.31, his children, the children of Israel, had become so evil in burning and, and sacrificing their children to false gods that in Jeremiah 7.31, God says, Which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. The NIV says, Nor did it enter my mind. You see, God was saying himself there that, that they were so evil that he had never even thought about it. Because see, up here, what it says in uh, Jeremiah, that God's thinking thoughts of us of peace and not evil. He doesn't sit around thinking about evil and planning it. You know, well, uh, next Wednesday I think I'll have this little girl, you know, beat up and robbed and raped, you know, raped and everything like this, or, or this this person will be shot down tomorrow, you know, and um, stabbed or maybe his head cut off. Something. God's not sitting around thinking about when He's going to plan these things into happen. No, that's ridiculous. That's not the kind of God we got. God thinks around. So, see, he's given up, though, that knowledge of what choices we're going to make, but he honors what choice we make. He knows what will happen if we accept his word, and he knows what will happen if we reject his word. But he doesn't know what will happen. You know, he doesn't know what we will do until we make the choice. And I'm going to show you scripture after scripture if you'll stick around and just listen to them because it is so important to know and see, the reason the devil doesn't want you to know this, and it's not being taught like that, is because the devil doesn't want people to know how important our choices are. God loves us so much that whatever choice we make, he will back it up. If we reject him, you know, 
he'll accept that. He loves us so much, it'll break his heart, you know, something like that. But he'll accept it if that's what we choose to do. And send us off into a lake of fire. Jesus says in Matthew uh, 21.45, he says that the lake of fire was created only for the devil and his angels. Not one person has been born on this earth that God predestined them and knew ahead of time that they were going to go to hell and lake of fire. I want you to listen to the scripture here in Jeremiah 19.5. Again, another scripture where these children were so evil of what they were doing and sacrificing their children. He says, I commanded not, nor spoke it, neither came it into my mind. NIV says, nor did it enter my mind. And all the other English translations say the same thing. Jeremiah 32.35. Um, Another time, he says, I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind. The NIV and the others say that it did not enter into my mind. Now, that's saying that God himself is saying that he never even thought about these evil things that his children were doing. And, you know, it was just disappointing him so much. So I'm going to read you these scriptures when I come back. I'm going to take a short break now, and I'll be right back to share with you these scriptures so that you can see I'm not just making this up and saying it like that. We need to all know that God loves us so much that he gives us a free will choice to accept him. And he'll back it up. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern. And on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com.
You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Now to the exciting part. Again, two areas where God in His sovereignty, you know, he, He's the one that makes the rules. He's the one that decides the way things are going to be. And now the God of the Bible has decided that there's two areas that He does not want to know. One is our unforgiven sins. Like He said in Isaiah 43:25, He says, I, even I, am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. See, it's for his own sake. And will remember their sins no more. Okay. Now the second area is, he has given us free will because if we turn to him, we he wants it to be because we choose him. We choose him out of our concern, out of our love or whatever, you know, our desire for him. And those are the people he wants in heaven throughout eternity with him people who have turned to him and sought him and it's evil not to seek the Lord Rehoboam did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord in the second Chronicles chapter 12 verse 14 now so once we seek him he knows what will happen if we choose his way like he says in he I mean uh, in Deuteronomy there a couple of times yeah I said before you day life or death you know, we're choose life if we choose him death if we reject him and he says blessings and curses we're choosing blessings if we choose him we're rejecting him brings the curses from the devil and everything the thief comes to kill steal and destroy and he'll certainly bring them into your life now but knowing what choice we'll make is the one area that in our society is just being left completely untaught Scriptures seem to be just overlooked. There are so many scriptures. I don't see how a person can claim to be a minister of the gospel and, and read through the Bible and not bring these to light to people because, you know, well, I can see why some do because if a preacher uh, this morning were to stand up and, and share with the congregation what I'm going to share with you, by tonight they probably wouldn't have a job because the people would be so upset they wouldn't give them a fair hearing you know, like that, if they did bring the truth out, they'd run them out of town, at least kick them out of their job. It's unheard of. But anyway, uh, let's get started with this. Uh, I'm going to start first. Let's see. In uh, Well, one thing we need to know is what is a lie? God, It's impossible for God to lie, and I know you'll agree with me on that. But if I tell you I'll meet you at church after a while, and... Uh, on the way, there's an automobile wreck, and I see these people hurt and everything, and I stop to help them, and I don't get to meet you at church. See, I wouldn't have lied to you. Or if something happened, and, you know, uh, I saw somebody needy beside the road, you know, like the Good Samaritan story, and I had to stop and help them and everything like that, uh, and I couldn't make it to church to meet you, that wouldn't be a lie. But, but now, if, if I was going to go out and play golf this morning, this afternoon and I told you I'd meet you at church and I knew I wasn't going to be there but I was thinking well you know if you go to church it'll do you some good maybe uh, I'm, I'm going to play golf though see that would be a lie if I knew when I told you that I wasn't going to do what I told you I would do that'd be a lie 
and it's impossible for God to lie. So now, let's think about this now as we go through some of these scriptures. Okay, we'll start out with Moses. God changed for Moses. He changed something that he wasn't planning on doing because of Moses, and he did it. He didn't know that Moses was going to respond the way he did. Now, take a look at this. Exodus 32, 9-14. Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why dost thou wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief he did bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of from the face of the earth. The Egyptians say, you know, just he just brought them out there, you know, to kill them and everything. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent, or repent, turn from, you know, of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thy own self, and said unto them. I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give it to thy seed for they shall inherit it forever and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do this people now in Exodus 32 32 Moses said yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin and if not blot me I pray thee out of the book which thou hast written God I mean Moses was so concerned about these people now, because of Moses' love or something, because of his love for these people, his love for God, concern for the people, anyway, God changed from what he had thought or planned to do to the people. Now, God still punished them later if you continue to read those scriptures, but he didn't wipe them out. And in Psalms 106, 23, 106 verse 23, the scripture says, and they made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Now verse 23, or Psalms 106, 23. Therefore God said that he, God, would destroy them, had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he should destroy them. Let's see here the uh, scriptures even later confirming you know, like that that if it hadn't been for Moses God was going to destroy them but God changed because of his love for Moses his love for the people evidently or something like that but anyway because of Moses and primarily here his love for Moses and Moses interceding he changed and did not do what he had planned on doing. Now, the point is here, though, when he first told Moses what he was going to do, he intended to do it. That was the truth. Now he changed and didn't do it. See, because he loved Moses and he accepted Moses' you know, comments and everything to him like that. But God didn't know he was going to change. If he had, he would have been lying to Moses the first time when he said he was going to destroy them. See, that would have been a lie to try to manipulate Moses. But no, he didn't. He fully intended to, you know, uh, destroy them. Now, that's only one case. Uh, let's take a look at Jonah. 
in Jonah, the book of Jonah, God sent Jonah to the people of Nineveh with a message. The message God gave Jonah to deliver was in Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. And Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown, or destroyed. That was the message now. It says here that God gave him to tell them. And he intended to destroy them. Or he'd have been lying to Jonah if he wasn't going to destroy them. Or if he knew that things were going to happen that he didn't. But he fully intended to destroy them and was telling Jonah the truth to go tell them that. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least. And why did they do that? Because the evil king of Nineveh had enough sense to maybe suspect that if they did repent, turn to the Lord, that he might change his mind. God might change. And the evil king was right. They put on sackcloth, ashes, repented, turned to the Lord. Now, it was a true repentance, too, because, see, God knew their hearts. They couldn't fake him out and just act like they were repenting and turning and everything like that. But in um, Jonah chapter 3, verse 9 to 10, the evil king says, Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. Now see, they couldn't fake him out. They turned from their evil way. And God repented or turned from the evil or, you know, that he was going to destroy them that he had said he would do unto them, he did it not. See, he was telling the truth when he said he was going to destroy them to Jonah. But he changed his mind and did something because of the people turning. See, and because of his love for them. Oh, uh, Jonah got mad in the last chapter of uh, the book of Jonah. God told him, said, these great number of people and everything. It was God's word to Nineveh that a city and everyone in it would perish in 40 days. So why didn't he? Because the people turned with all their heart to him in love. They truly repented. Because of God's love and all of Nineveh turning to him in prayer, God turned from his anger and changed like he did for Moses because Moses interceded. Now, how God changed for Nineveh should encourage each of you listening and, and me, each of us, to turn to God in all of our problems. You know, the problems aren't predestined to happen to us. You know, no, we're going to have problems. That that part, you know, is going to come. But in, I don't care what problem you have this morning. Turn to the Lord. You're not locked into whatever that problem is. It's never too late. Oh, uh, Lazarus had been dead grave four days and Jesus came up and prayed and God raised Lazarus from dead you know it, it's never too late to turn to the Lord for for help and everything even the evil king knew enough to to realize that God just might turn from his uh, anger at him uh, Jonah also knew that God might change for this was the main reason Jonah ran from God in the first place he didn't want to go to Nineveh he didn't like the people Jonah chapter 4, verses 2 to 3, Jonah says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord. Now this is Jonah praying, talking to God. O Lord, was not this my saying when I was in my country? Therefore I fled 
before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, great in kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, I beseech thee, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. See, he said, I knew, I knew you might do something like that. And he didn't like those people and everything. He said, just take my life. Not only that, it made him look like a false prophet because he had come told them, 40 days, you're going to die. They didn't die in 40 days. They weren't destroyed in 40 days. And the rule of the Old Testament was if a person uh, acted like a prophet or something, said something, didn't come true, they were supposed to be killed because, you know, uh, uh, it didn't happen. So to those people's eyes, they could have thought of Jonah like a false prophet, just trying to manipulate him something. But see, God had told him the truth. He was going to destroy them. But he changed because of his love. Now, take a look at some more. In 1 Samuel, King Saul. Uh, king Saul was God's chosen person to be the first king of Israel. And uh, when the people cried out and everything, they wanted a king and everything. In 1 Samuel 9, 2, Saul is described and he had a son, speaking of, you know, Saul's dad to start with, whose name was Saul, a choice young man, a goodly, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. That's how God chose Saul. And God chose him because he was the best choice. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 24 to 27, the scripture states, And Samuel the high priest said to all the people, See ye him who the Lord has chosen? that there is none like him among all the people. And Saul went back to his home where he was. Now that, that's what kind of person King Saul was when he was chosen by God and everything. Later, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, God says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And in verse 35, the scripture states again, And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now, these verses above show that God had chosen the best person at that time to be the first king. God knew Saul's heart then and everything. If God had known that Saul was going to turn from his commandments so soon that God would not have God wouldn't have had anything to repent from. See, if he had known that was what was going to happen and Saul was going to do that when he selected Saul, there wouldn't have been anything for God to repent from because he's the one that made the choice. But see, he didn't know. He didn't know the choices King Saul was going to make in rebelling from him and turning. He picked the best choice in the land of Israel to be the first king. But that king turned, King Saul turned so quick he said it repented, God repented that he had made him king over Israel. Now, see, God wasn't just putting on a show, picking a, you know, a bad king and everything, and then persecuting Saul for all this stuff and everything like that. Saul made the choices to reject God. And that shows there that God did not know that Saul was going to rebel like that and reject him and everything. God does not know what personal choices we're going to make, nor did he know that Saul was going to turn aside until Saul made those choices. Now, let's look at some more real quick because I don't want to run out of time here and uh, not have they, so many of them. Second Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. I've used that a lot in my broadcast. This clearly shows that, that God will change too, like in uh, the story of Jonah and Nineveh. Second Kings chapter 20, verse 1 through 5. The scriptures state very plain that God changed and could not have known 
beforehand how King Hezekiah would react. Okay, in those days Hezekiah was sickened to death. And a prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Now, he says, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. See, that was God speaking through the prophet to Hezekiah. Evidently, Hezekiah didn't particularly like that prophecy. So in verse 2, Then he, Hezekiah, turned his face to the wall and prayed, talked to the Lord, saying, I beseech you, O Lord, remember how I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart. Now, his heart wasn't perfect like Jesus, you know, but he, he was trying to serve the Lord as best he could. And have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Immediately then, verse 4, it came to pass for Isaiah the prophet had gone out of the middle court that the word of the Lord, Christ, now the word of the Lord, because see, that's Christ in the Old Testament, like um, in um, what is it, Hebrews 11:26, where it says, uh, Moses deemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. He esteemed the riches of God's word, living word to him. Well, here is talking about the word of the Lord, Christ, came to him the prophet, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee, and on the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord. Now see, here he's told the prophet to tell him he's going to die and then turn right around and tell him you're going to live. That's two supposedly contradictory prophecies. So that kind of, you know, got to Hezekiah and uh, he said, well, show me a sign that the Lord's going to do this. He could have just waited, you know, two or three days and, and he'd have been healed and everything. But those prophecies seem to be contradictory. So, he said, give me a sign. Isaiah then said, uh, what shall sign be? Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees on the sundial or go backward 10 degrees on the sundial? And King Hezekiah said, let it go backward. If it's going to move, you know, might as well move it backwards. I don't want to be possibly tricked or something like that moving the other way. Let it move backward. Isaiah then prayed and talked to the Lord. And God moved the earth and the sun in their circulations or whatever like that to where the shadow moved backward on the sundial 10 degrees and Hezekiah knew then that it was God speaking through the prophet because God backed up his word through the prophet that both prophecies in was God speaking through him that's the difference between a sign and an answer to prayer King Hezekiah asked for a sign he heard the prayer of the prophet Isaiah he saw the answer to the prayer, the shadow moving backwards 10 degrees on the sundial. He got his sign that God was confirming his prophet, that his prophet was actually speaking his word in both prophecies. That is from God. See, so God didn't know that Hezekiah was going to turn and pray to him and talk to him and everything and him change before it happened. Because if he did, that first prophecy would have been a lie. And God can't lie. So the first prophecy was from God. The second one was from God. And he moved the earth and the sun to prove to King Hezekiah that both prophecies, even though they look contradictory, were from him through his prophet Isaiah. Now, that's important to realize. Like God can't lie. You know, he, can't, he can't give a false prophecy to uh, some prophet and, and tell him to go manipulate the people with it. You know, it, it, it's truthful. But he'll change because of his love. Now, sometimes God just changes out of his mercy. In First uh, Chronicles 21, verse 14, 15, 
So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel. He was going to punish them. And there fell of Israel 70,000 men, and God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he, God, repented of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Oron, Oron, something like that, the Jebusite. Now, just because of his mercy and love, he decided to stop. Now, every problem you have, every concern, don't let it get to be so big and everything. Talk to the Lord about it. Like King Hezekiah did immediately when he heard God said he was going to die, boy, he started talking to God. Philippians 4, 6. And when I heard one day I had cancer, I started talking to God too real quick then. Got that settled and everything. That was 1987. It had been quite a long time ago. But in Philippians 4, 6, be careful or anxious for nothing. If something's starting to trouble you, let your request be known to God. Through prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Don't wait around till the doctor says, well, you're going to die next week. Well, I better pray. No, don't do it. When you start getting anxious about something, that's when you pray. Don't wait till the end and everything. God can still work then. But why go through all that suffering and everything? Be anxious for nothing but prayer and supplication. Now, God wants you to change. God wants us to change. All of us. Second Chronicles 7.14 I've heard this most of my life since age 9 when I was at Baptist Children's Home. Every spring and fall we had revivals and every revival for the nine years. That's 18 of them, something like that, that I lived there. Every one of them had a sermon on this particular scripture here. Second Chronicles 7.14 if my people will call my name, shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, what's a wicked way? A wicked way is like Jeroboam in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. He said he he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. What is a wicked way? When we see scriptures in the Bible like this that say God didn't know or something like that, where I read a while ago. Where in Jeremiah seven thirty one says, Neither came it into my heart, God said. Then in Jeremiah nine three times in the book of Jeremiah, God says that things his children were so evil they did things that he never even thought of. Now God said he didn't think of them. It never came into his heart and his mind. You can't just brush those aside and say, Oh well, you must be a you know type problem or something. No. Every version says that. And some way or another, you know. And it's God saying it about himself. So it must be his characteristic. It must be him. Okay. Now, do we want God to hear us from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land? Then we must believe what he and his word say about himself. Then we must humble ourselves, pray, and seek him, and turn from wicked ways. This isn't happening in our country. Everybody is still just continuing with these false beliefs and, and acting like it's not that big a deal. But in Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 and 6 says every word of God is pure a shield and put her trust in add thou not to it lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar and our Christianity is full of liars confessing things about God that aren't true like that one verse I said well ago everybody said well God's in control well first John 5:19 says the devil's in control so study the scriptures and find out why that verse is true and everything. Because when we reject God's word, we're giving the devil control in our life in that area. Okay, see, that's that's one thing being taught in our society is wrong there. Here, it's being taught that God knows everything. No, he doesn't. He doesn't know our forgiven sins. And he doesn't know some of these things here that I'm showing you in these scriptures. So 
why hide it deal with it and say this is the God of the Bible and if we expect him to you know step up and back us up we've got to teach his pure word now uh, most of us consider ourselves fairly good people and everything and uh, when it says here that that we must you know uh, turn from our wicked ways it's failing to serve him in uh, what is it Second uh, Timothy 1 9 says and he saved us and called us to a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace created in Christ Jesus for the world again that's how special you are whoever you are listening you're that special to God he created something for you a holy calling that only you can fulfill only I can fulfill mine it's so special and everything for each of us have you set yourself to seek the Lord for his special holy calling? Did you even know you had a special holy calling? See, that's what we need to be knowing and seeking. Not just listen to these you know, 15, 20-minute, three-point messages with a joke and with a closing or something like that and expect that to be your religious service for the week, your Christian service for the week. Just go to church and listen to that. You need to be seeking God's holy calling for your life because he has something special for you. He loves you that much. And until we're willing to do that, like Solomon's son, 2 Chronicles chapter 12, 14, it's evil not to seek the Lord and to seek his holy calling for our life and everything. It's because of pride. It's because of wanting money. It's because of other things. And, um, and that's what we need to repent and turn from. If my people call on them, humble themselves, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And listen to this verse. I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. Our land needs healing because all these floods we've been having, then all the droughts we had you know, the last year or so, all the earthquakes and all these things. There's so many things like that happening. Our land needs a healing. But, but also throughout the book of Deuteronomy and those places back there, God said he'll send the spring rains you know, for the crops and he'll send the other rains and like this in their time and stuff. See, if we turn to the Lord and everything, he'd take control of this for us and, and help us in our crops and in our other things because he wants us to have the food and stuff like that that we need. Now, I'm going to read another verse. Well, it's time for the break. But after that, I'm going to read a verse that shows what Second Chronicles 7.14 will do if we respond to him correctly. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at raharden.com. 
At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. It is such a joy to be here sharing with you these scriptures and a great responsibility too because I know that many of you have never heard these the way I'm reading them and sharing them with you. But now I was talking about in Second Chronicles 7.14. You don't have memorized, here it is. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. So he says, then will I hear from heaven. He's waiting for us to make the choice, see. He, he wants us to choose his people always. He wants them to choose him and choose to, you know, seek him. Seek my face and turn their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, that's Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Second Chronicles twelve, six and seven. Listen to what happens here. Uh, the children of Israel in this particular case were surrounded. There's an enemy coming against them, and they were kind of terrified and everything. Listen to this. Second Chronicles twelve, six and seven. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves. Now see that's what it says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people call my name shall you know humble themselves. Okay, here it says, The princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord, there's Christ again, Christ is the living word of the Lord, just like it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26, And Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. Moses esteemed the word of the Lord to him greater than all the wealth of Egypt. Well, here it says, And the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, and the word of the Lord Christ came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. My wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak, you know, the people that had surrounded so see, immediately when they turned, and that's what will happen in our country too. I don't know how God could turn our country around and everything, but if we started seeking his pure word and, and teaching his true image that he's not in control, we've got to be hum we've got to humble ourselves and, and submit to him for him to be in control of our life. I, I trust that God's in control of my life now because I have sought him and I'm seeking him and I'm 
trying to put him first and everything and to share his pure living word. Now, uh, and I'm seeking his, you know, that, that uh, special holy calling too, as much as I can, Lord, show me and everything like that. Now, what is it in uh, Romans 8, 28? For we know that all things work together for good for those love of the Lord called according to his purpose. See, that you got to be called according to his purpose and sur you know, surrendering to his purpose and, and serving in his purpose, seeking it. See, we may never get there perfectly and everything because only Jesus fulfilled his complete perfect will. But if we got our heart set seeking like Hezekiah a while ago prayed and said, Lord, I've served you with my heart and everything, God gave him 15 more years to live. See, God will change things in your life, too, if you just set yourself to seek the Lord. It's not too late. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care who you are listening. It's not too late to seek the Lord for your problem. He can make changes. Now, the princes of Israel here changed, and immediately the word of the Lord Christ came to Shemai and said, They've humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them. I'll grant them deliverance. That's what we need in our country, deliverance. But we've got to humble ourselves, and, and all these preachers start trying to bring people together. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, it says we've got one God, one spirit, one faith. And in verses 11, 12, and 13 there, it says that every minister of the gospel, in our, well, every minister of the gospel around the world, teaching Christ Jesus and Him crucified, sh should be trying to draw us together in that one faith. Not just teaching their denominational beliefs and everything, but trying to teach and bring people together all in that one faith. And then in verse 14 it says, lest we be no longer babes in Christ. See, our society is just full of babes in Christ running around with what they call PhDs, doctors of this, doctors of that. And the only thing the doctors mean is that they've learned how to misinterpret the scripture according to their particular denomination. See, God doesn't have one faith for every denomination, a different faith. It says there's one faith. And that we're all supposed to be coming together in the unity of that one faith. Now, in Jeremiah 18, 8 to 10, God clearly states that He will change depending on what we choose to do. See, He's waiting on us to make the choice, and He wants to know which choice we're going to make. And right now, not making a choice is the same thing as rejecting. Okay, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil. He'll turn from what he's going to do. I'll repent from the evil that I thought to do in them. And at what instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and to plant it, which he helped build and plant our nation here in, in a godly manner and everything, according to his word, if they do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherein I said I would benefit it. You know, and, and he's he's being pushed out of our society. He's being pushed out of our society, and our religious freedoms are being taken from us and everything. And when, when God moves out, evil's all's left. If God already knew ahead of time which way the people would respond, then his first decrees or pronouncements would be only to manipulate people, see? And he doesn't do that. He tell you, okay, this is what's going to happen if you don't choose me. And this is what's going to happen if you do. But we have to make that choice. He gives us a total free will. 
read, uh, I mean, listen to some of my previous podcasts on predestination, Esau, and things like that, and you'll see in here black and white that there's no such thing as people being predestined to go to heaven or hell. We each are without excuse. Romans one twenty says that, you know, we, we, we're each without excuse. We have to turn to the Lord or willfully reject him. Now, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 6 to 15, God pleads with Israel to turn to him. He begs them to. And I'm, I'm sure he's begging now for us in the United States Christians to, to get out of all this confused gospel in our Christian society, all these different denominations and all this stuff. Get his pure word. And, and he wants to you know, back us up. But by us rejecting that, well, I can, Second Corinthians 10, 11 says, forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. Well, we're giving Satan advantage in our life because we're rejecting God's pure word. But now, when you hear scriptures like this of God himself speaking, saying that, thing, that he gives us a free will choice and doesn't know what choice we're going to make, you've got to accept that and start sharing and believing it. Now, here's Jeremiah chapter 3. God pleads with Israel to turn to him. The Lord also said unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain under every green tree, and there played the harlot. And I said, After she has done all these things, see, this is what he's expecting. I said, After she's done all these things, turn thou to me. But she turned not. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel has justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north, and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall on you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord. I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity. See, confess our sins, confess our iniquities, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast shattered thy ways, scattered thy ways, excuse me, to the strangers under every green tree, and ye have not obeyed my voice. See, disobeying God gives Satan advantage in our lives. We've got to accept his word to teach that class, to lead that devotional, to work with those young people, and, and things like this. When we when we say, well, I can't, I've never done that before. Somebody else is more qualified, and things like this. See, you're rejecting God's word to you and to unbelief. Christianity is filled with unbelief. People rejecting, you know, doing what God's called them to do and everything. Okay. Only acknowledge thy iniquity. Thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every tree. O turn backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. But see, he was begging them to change, begging them to turn to him. And um, like in Ezekiel 33, 11, where it says, God doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn their evil way and live. See, he, he doesn't rejoice when a bad person dies. He cries because he loves, he loves everybody on this earth more than we love our cute little granddaughters, our cute little grandsons, our children, and like this. Anybody you love, God loves them more. God loves them more than you do. God loves them more than I do. And when one goes off into eternity, a lake of fire and everything for rejecting God, it just saddens him so much. Now, 
If there's going to be any tears in heaven, it'll be when Jesus has a sinner and say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's going to be because it'll be another one of the people that he loves so much that have failed to come to him. Rejecting Christ, God's living word, is why people are going to die and go to hell. Not because they were predestined. Okay, in Jeremiah 26, 3, God said, If so be they will hearken, and every man turn from his evil way, that, see, he's saying that if they do this, that he can do something. Now he says, If they will hearken, every man turn from his evil way, that I may repent and turn of the evil which I had purposed to do to them because of the evil of their doing. See, they're so evil, I've purposed to do some you know, evil to them, some punishment, correction, everything. But if they will just hearken and, and humble themselves and repent, then I won't do it. Oh, man, so many of these scriptures in here like this that uh, just say over and over and over. Here's one that's exciting in Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 to 27. It's a little bit different here. Uh, God uh, gave Hezekiah, excuse me, not Hezekiah, God gave King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months to make a decision. 12 months. God in his patience, long-suffering, waited on him to decide what he would do. Now, the king had a troubling dream, called Daniel to give him interpretation. Interpretation was King Nebuchadnezzar was going to lose his kingdom and live with a wild beast for a period of time. Now, Daniel 4.25 states that Nebuchadnezzar would have to live with the beast and to eat grass until... Thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whoever he will, whosoever he will. He was to receive his kingdom again when he would humble himself and acknowledge the heaven's rule. And you know God's word. As stated in Daniel 4.26, Thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. God wasn't going to make the king do it. But that was the only way the king could get his kingdom back. Just like King Asa in the Second Chronicles chapter 15, 16, 17, when God sent a prophet to him, you know, to rebuke him for you know, going to Egypt for help instead of turning to the Lord for help, um, Asa persecuted the prophet, put him in jail, and, and God waited for him to turn back to him because as a young king, he was great. Him and God had a great fellowship. But he didn't. He died of a foot disease after going to all the doctors in the kingdom and everything. And it says, but he refused to turn to the Lord. Now, this is what's going to happen to the king here. He's going to have to decide to turn to the Lord or something. Now, Daniel's advice to the king, though, was to repent. He told the king, he said, repent, turn from your sin and iniquity by showing mercy to the poor. Then the Lord might lighten your punishment. See, he said he might do it because, you know, Daniel knew that that's the kind of God we have, that, you know, he, he will change his things like that depending on what we do. Daniel states in Daniel 4.27, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to thee and break off thy sins by righteousness. See, turn from your sin to righteousness. Righteousness is accepting and obeying God's word. Righteousness is by faith. Acceptance and obedience is God's word. So Daniel's telling him to... to Break off your sins and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Now, tranquility means, you know, the peacefulness and things like this because he's fixing to have a lot of, um, 
<laughs> well, lack of peace in his life if he doesn't do it. You know, he's fixing to you know lose the kingdom and be out in the fields eating with the cows and stuff. But see, Daniel's telling him, turn from your sins and start treating the poor with mercy and like this. And Daniel knew it was possible God would might change, like he did for Nineveh. Okay. The king, though, it says here in, in uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 28, it says, And all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar, so he completely ignored Daniel's advice. <clears throat> Therefore, the king did not follow Daniel's advice. Verse 29, the scripture shows that God waited 12 months for the king Nebuchadnezzar to make his choice. Listen to this. At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar walked into the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And then in Daniel 4, 30 and 31, shows the downfall of the king. And when he walked in like that after 12 months, the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of, of my kingdom by my might and my power and the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. God gave him 12 months to make up his mind and decide what he was going to do. And he steps out. All that boastfulness, arrogance, and pride and everything he said is by my might, by my power and all this. And he was, and he was driven that night. Somehow he was out in the field with oxen and, and he was wet with dew. It says till his hair was grown like eagle's feathers and nails like this. But he finally got his kingdom back when he did uh, repent and turn and say, you know, that the Lord reigns and that that's it. But the, the choice had to be made, though. Um, and then what's terrible is if you look in Revelation chapter 16, verse 9, um, it said, And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Now see, King Nebuchadnezzar finally came to his senses and turned, and the Lord restored him to his kingdom and everything. But it says here in Revelation, people are going to be so hateful, so egotistical, or so something, that uh, even with all these plagues and everything like that, they won't turn to the Lord. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 12, I've heard, I mean, I've, I've heard many ministers preach on this, and I know that uh, you probably have too if you attend church very regularly at all, everything, and, and they all just completely misinterpret this, or they intentionally twist it around everything. It's about Abraham and his son Isaac. God asked Abraham, his only son, to the mountain to offer his son as a burnt offering. A uh, very special request. God had promised Abraham, you know, to be the father of a great nation. Here, Isaac, his only son of promise, uh, God tells him, you know, go sacrifice him. And then verse uh, 11 says, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, lay down, lay not thy hand upon the lad. And when he got up there to offer the sacrifice, he had already provided another one, but he wanted to see if Abraham would actually do it. He said, Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. So the angel of the Lord there stopped him right as he was going to stab his son and kill him and make him the sacrifice. But God wanted to see if he would follow his words. And God says here, For now I know 
And so many ministers will twist that around and say God knew, but he just wanted Abraham to know. That's not what God's word says. God's word says that God says, for now I know, which means God did not know before. Preachers have twisted that around so much and everything. But um, just take the Bible for what it says. Okay. Several times in the scriptures, God did things to test and prove people, you know, to see how they would respond. Each time he was trying to either find out their commitment or teach them a lesson, depending on them. In Exodus 16, 4, God said to Moses, Then said the Lord to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them, see, that I may prove them, whether they will walk in my law or not. God wanted to know if they would walk in his laws or not. And that's how he was going to do it. He was going to give them bread every day. Now, the problem with that was if they got enough bread for two days, unless it was on the Sabbath that they were getting it for, the bread would be stinky the next morning and, you know, spoiled and everything. And it'd be easy for Moses and them to know who it was that got too much bread. They were only supposed to get enough for each day except the day before the Sabbath, they could get two days' worth. But the other days, if they got caught with that stinky, smelly bread the next day, you don't know, like that, they had disobeyed God's word and everything. Uh, and that was his way to prove them to see if they would actually learn to obey his laws or not. Okay, so... Uh, oh. In Isaiah 5, verses 3 through 4... God expected Israel to change, but they would not. Okay, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. God said he did all he could do for his people, but they would not return to him. He expected and thought that they would return when they became tired of their sinful ways, but they didn't. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, it says, And now God's speaking here to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He said, Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge. I pray you, between me and my vineyard. He's treating his children of Israel as like a, his vineyard. What could have been done in my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked for it to bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. See, he did everything he could for his children of Israel. He expected them you know, to, to be great people, loving him and sharing and turning to him and you know, walking with him. Like he says, wherefore I looked when it should have brought forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. When we react, uh, when we read this story and see how God had done everything he could to draw his people, the vineyard, back to him, he had expected them to return to him. He was so disappointed by the wild grapes, but they did not return. Now, now I want to read the complete scriptures that I started out the program with a while ago in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, um, 3-7 God's expectations again and I said after she Israel had done all these things turn out of me but she returned not and her treacherous sister Judah saw it again Israel had rebelled against God so much and he expected them to become unsatisfied with their sin and turn to him but they wouldn't and then being satisfied with sin and everything three times now in the book of Jeremiah God himself says that they did something so evil that it didn't come into his heart, didn't come into his mind. He never even thought those things. Now, see, do you believe the God of the Bible when he says that? Is it the God of the Bible that we're worshiping? If we are, 
then we got to admit and accept what he says about himself even. All these scriptures you know, like that. Okay, now Jeremiah seven thirty one. And they speaking of his children of Israel there, they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnon, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire. See they were sacrificing their children in the fire. He says, Which I commanded them not neither came it into my heart. God had not even imagined how evil they would become. And he says so here himself. So it's not just somebody's interpretation, it's God telling us, you know. Like, okay. In Jeremiah 19.5, God states, They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons. It doesn't say daughters here, it just says sons. Daughters are next. They've also built a high place of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. See, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. See, God's not sitting around thinking about all this evil for his children to do. He's thinking of peace and prosperity and, you know, um, worshiping and praising him. And Isaiah, let's see, Isaiah... Well, I can't remember it exactly now. Isaiah 10.21, I believe, if I can find it. Well, I don't have to look it up. I don't want to quote it and not give the right scripture. So Isaiah, the Lord says, where are you there? Isaiah 43.21. Well, I apologize. I can't find it. But he says, These people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. And and that's why he's created all of us to be his extension here on earth. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I can't find that. But uh, these people I formed myself. They shall show forth my praise. Uh, and, and that's what he's thinking for us and everything. He's not sitting here thinking of all these evil things of sacrificing children and burning with stakes and things like this. No. Uh, all these children are, are children God has created in women's wombs and everything like that, you know, and given life to them and all this. And there's not everybody born on this earth has been born to die and go to heaven to be with the Lord. It's not his will that any should perish. And, and, uh, Again, in Jeremiah 32, 35, And they built a high place of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnon, to cause their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech. See, this is just daughters now, to Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. This is how evil they were. And I'll be right back in just a minute. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. 
That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. But it says in Isaiah that God, these people have I formed myself, they shall show forth my praise. And that's what he's created all of us to be a part of here, is to, you know, rejoice and praise the Lord and join with him and be his children. And uh, I have a couple of other scriptures here I want to share with you too about that uh, what God says to his people and, and, and encourages us to turn to him and everything because he loves us so much. He sets before us life or death, you know, uh, blessings or cursings. And in Deuteronomy, uh, let's see, 8, verses 1 2. It says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live. See, that ye may live. Because, see, Jesus says, um, Every word of God is pure. Shield them, but they trust him. Add thou not to it, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So his pure word then, and in uh, Proverbs 4.22, God's words are life to those find him, and health to all their flesh. See, so it's God's living word in us that's going to give strength in our physical being even. You know, health of the flesh and everything. Just receiving his word into our heart. Here that all the commandments which I command thee this day that shall you observe and do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land for the Lord to swear unto thee. And thou shalt remember all the way of the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. So see, he was, you know, testing them even in the 40 years in the wilderness. They came up to the promised land. They all knew it was God's will to cross over into the promised land. That wasn't a question, you know. There wasn't any doubt about that, because that's why they had left, you know, the slavery in Egypt. So they get up to the promised land, the Jordan River, and they're supposed to cross over. Now, Moses, not Moses, excuse me, Joshua. Moses had already uh, changed commands and left and everything before they got there. But Joshua sent, uh, no, I'm getting this story. I guess that upset me a while ago. I couldn't find that scripture and everything. But anyway, when they got up there to the promised land, 
Moses sent 12 spies across into the promised land to see which would be the best way to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. They weren't supposed to go over there and, and make any decision about should we go into the promised land or not. Everybody knew it was God's will for them to go into the promised land. So when the 12 spies came back, 10 of them said, hey, there's giants over there. Where's grasshoppers to them? We can't go into that, you know, and talk to people into not doubt, because they say they still knew it was God's will for them to do it, but talk them into unbelief. The difference between doubt and unbelief is doubt is a head problem when you do not know God's will. Unbelief is when you know God's will, but you don't have the heart to accept and obey. Unbelief is when you reject God's will. To teach that class, you reject it. To work with those young people, you reject it. You reject preaching. You reject Whatever it is you reject from the Lord, see, it's an evil heart. And that's why it's so sad, because like if you look in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, excuse me, again, Hebrews chapter 3. See, I'm getting all messed up now after forgetting that scripture a while ago. <laughs> I'll probably remember this as soon as I get off. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, here it is. It's talking about children of Israel. Starting in verse 12, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So when you reject God's will or word, see, God and his word are the same. So you're not just rejecting a message from him or something. When we reject God's word to, to go down to the street to visit with a neighbor and do something like this or to, or to help someone or whatever, whatever it is we reject, we're rejecting the living God because, see, God manifests himself in our minds to form what we call thought patterns or something like this or and speaks to us or mind or in our hearts, then it's a living God that's done it. Now, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief, rejecting his word, and departing from the living God. And that's the same with us. Now, he we aren't departing from him in the sense that we're com he's completely leaving our heart or anything, but we're departing from him and rejecting him for whatever it is he's speaking to us for that situation. Because once we become a child of God, a son of God, we're a son of God throughout eternity. And we're going to have to answer the judgment seat of Christ for the good and bad, see. So we're going to have to answer for it. I don't know exactly how, but anyway, it said, departing from living God. Then uh, go down to verse 15. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. See, harden not your hearts like the children of Israel did there when they provoked God in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all came out of Egypt by Moses. Even some of them didn't even come out of Egypt by Moses. They rejected. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not, that rejected his word? Now see, all the men from age 20 and up died in the wilderness when they were wandering at 40 years out there. They didn't get to enter into the promised land. It was their you know, children and young men below 20 that had come up to the Jordan River and refused to cross over. 
And then verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. See, when we reject God's word, uh, it's unbelief. Departing from the living God, and that's how serious it is. And that's why, you know, it gives Satan advantage in our life because if we stand before God's call and, and we know that God has spoken to us and we reject it, we're just putting our hands in hands with the devil and league with him, giving him, you know, rights in our life of control and things like this that shouldn't be. A lot of Christians today are sick all across our nation in hospital stuff for holding unforgiveness in their heart. Because like it says in Second Corinthians 2, 10, 11, forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. And and just if they get their hearts right and get that, you know, uh, forgiveness for those people and everything, that they're holding unforgiveness against. And other things too, like when we're rejecting is called a service, when we're having wrong relationships in our families and things like this. Uh, and rejecting God's word, you know, to pray together and seek the Lord together and everything. But it says here, For God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. See, God sent them after that forty years to see if they were going to keep his commandments, to test them, to find out what was in their heart. See, God doesn't know until we make our decisions what we're going to do. Then we have to, you know, answer either way and be totally responsible for the choices we make. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Uh, then said the Lord to Moses, Behold, I'll rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them that they will walk in my law or not. See, he wanted to know. He wanted to prove them to see what they would do. And then, uh, again, Psalms 106, uh, verse 19. They made the calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. I read this earlier and everything. And thus they changed their glory to the similitude of oxen that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done these great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the hands of Ham, terrible things of the Red Sea. Therefore he, God, said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. See, he even got so fed up with them like that, that he was going to destroy them and start another nation with Moses being a leader. But then that's when Moses stepped in, as we saw before, he stepped in and talked to God, and God turned. Now, all these different scriptures where even God himself said three times in Jeremiah, you know, they did things that I didn't even, so evil, I didn't even think about. I did things that didn't even come into my heart, didn't come into my mind. Now, that is the God of the Bible that we're serving, you know. And that is so great because, see, our choices, that means now we know how important our choices are. That God is standing there waiting and calling us and and, and waiting for us to make the choice. If my people call on them, humble themselves, pray and turn from their uh, wicked way, then will I hear from heaven. But see, our country, our religious leaders and our people, we've got to turn to his pure word, not just these things that are made up. Like there's one denomination, you know, like a, uh, the word of faith denomination, probably me, I don't know whether it's a denomination or not, but, a, you know, grouping everything. Uh, probably millions of people around the United States that that believe and worship and a lot of good things is happening in that but they teach it uh, 
Jesus went to hell and fought the devil and came out of, you know, hell with the keys to the kingdom. You know, when he says in Matthew 20:18, all power in heaven and earth is given to me, that he fought the devil and came out with the keys to the kingdom and all power and everything like that. No, that sounds good and everything. But the fact is, the devil has never been to hell. He's not in hell right now, as I'm speaking to you. And he's never going to be in hell. If you look in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, it says, And the devil and his angels were cast into the lake of fire for eternity of, you know, uh, suffering. The next verse then, the next two verses, verse 11 and 12, talk about the white throne judgment. And the white throne judgment then is if your name's not written in the book of life, it says the books are going to be open everything. People are going to be judged. And everyone whose names are not found written in the book of life are going to be cast in to the lake of fire. And then the very next verse in verse 14 says, And hell and everything in it is going to be cast in the lake of fire. See, the devil has never been in hell. He's here on earth tormenting us today, lying, cheating, stealing, deceiving, getting us to you know profess wrong things about God and confuse people and everything, saying that God's in control of everything. No, we know he's not in control. That when we violate God's will, we give Satan control in our life and stuff. And so many people in our society are completely turned off by God's word and everything. Satan has control of them. They don't even know it. <coughs> God's in control. And these, these false things that, you know, what God knows everything, you know, it's like, you know, whatever will be, will be. No, it's not. It says here, God is waiting for us to change, waiting for us to turn to him and to choose his way and to walk with him, turn from our evil ways, and he'll hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. But we've got to make the choices to turn from these false doctrines and everything and all of our different, you know, a couple of hundred different denominations and everything and seek him for his true word talked about in Ephesians 4, 4, where it says there's one God one Lord, one Spirit, one faith. And God's not going to tell everybody different things to have all these different denominations. Um, one saying, speaking in tongues of the devil, one saying it's the greatest thing, the other saying God doesn't heal people today like he did back in those days that, you know, well, sure, if somebody gets well, God healed them, but he doesn't work personally, he doesn't speak to us personally. Teaching all kind of these, you know, doctrines that do not come from the Scriptures. So let me encourage you today. Uh, Seek the Lord with all your heart. Look back through some of these scriptures here that I've talked about today. Read them personally for yourself and see what the Lord will speak to you because our image of God determines how we relate to Him. And it's very important, you know. Um, some people say, you know, that we don't need to ask forgiveness of any uh, wrongs that we do anymore, but like a what is First Peter three seven? Husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge, being joint heirs with the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. Well, see, lest your prayers be hindered. That means that if we're going to be getting our prayers blocked because of our relationship with our wives, we need if if we do something wrong like that, we need to make sure and go to the Lord and get that straightened out, so that our prayers won't be hindered. Because if our prayers hindered, then the devil has advantage in our life. If we can't turn to the Lord in prayer and everything. Um, and just so many prayers. Uh, 
He that knoweth do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So we as Christians, if we know to do good and doeth it not to us, you know, we need to get that straightened out with the Lord. So uh, just things like that that we need to continue daily making sure our hearts are right with God. People say that uh, and teach that God, uh, Jesus forgave all of our sins on the cross, past, present, future. No, he did not. He made provision for our sins to be forgiven. But you've got to turn to the Lord and seek him and humble yourself and say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart. It's got to be a turning from sin, a desire to be cleansed and seek the Lord and ask him then to receive salvation. Well, once you receive salvation, we've got to keep walking with him like that. After we get saved and everything, if we're still drinking, smoking, cussing, things like this, His Spirit, He's going to speak to us that He wants us to change some of those things. Well, if we just refuse to change, we'd still be a Christian, a child of God, but we're going to be a stinky, miserable one. See, so there's things we got to do to, to keep our relationship uh, between our, you know, well, like one in First Peter 3, 7, while ago about, you know, husband, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, lest your prayers be hindered. See, we don't want our prayers being hindered because of the evil things we're doing. And, you know, stuff like that, relationship with our children, with other people. Uh, he that knoweth do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. See, we need to go to the Lord daily and walk with him in fellowship in a way that we can turn to him when we do something. Like in Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and arguing. We catch ourselves, you know, um, arguing somebody, you know, and, and doing like that. We need to turn our hearts to the Lord real quick. Lord, please help me get out of this. Please forgive me. You know, and, and keep our fellowship with the Lord open, lest we're giving Satan the advantage and control in our lives. And it's very serious, you know, like that. Jesus didn't forgive all of our sins on the cross. He made provision for our sins to be forgiven. But we have to work that out with the Lord. After salvation, yes, we get all our sins forgiven at salvation. Because like Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will give you, a new spirit will put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, we have a pure heart, a clean heart, all the sins forgiven at that time. Christ in us, we become a child of God. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because your son, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore you no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. So we become a child of God with the spirit of Christ in us. But the next day, you know, our mind still remembers some of those things of the past. Our mind still remembers some of those habits we had of, you know, uh, maybe cursing or drinking or something like it. See, that's when in Romans 12 2, Apostle Paul says be not conformed as well, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in Colossians 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this world. See, we have to get control of our mind. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, submitting every thought to the obedience of Christ. we got to study the scripture, study his word, get his word in us so that we can walk with him then and submit our thoughts to the Lord. But we've got to have him in our heart and study and seek. That's why the apostle 
Peter said, you know, grace and peace be multiplied through a knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the more we can have his spirit and his words in us to guide us throughout the day and everything like that, we can walk with him. But we need to be basing our walk with the Lord on his true word of God, that he is does not know the choices we're going to make. And you can see that from the scriptures, so many of them that I gave today, where he gave prophecies against uh, Nineveh. And then because they humbled themselves and turned with all their heart to him, he loved them so much that he did not do what he said he was going to do to them. He actually changed his mind, and he blessed them then and forgave them. And he did that in so many different situations. And um, his children of Israel became so evil in those three ways in Jeremiah. He said they did such sinful things that he had never even imagined it. It had never come into his heart, never come into his mind. Because his thoughts for us are thoughts of peace and not of evil. He didn't plan all these things. And... I don't know, it just, there's so many things like this being taught wrong in our society, and it's causing uh, us to lose God's blessings on our nation. Not just because the evil is coming against us, that, that's not why we're, you know, losing his blessings in our nation, it's because we, his children in the uh, Christian community, are not serving him with faithfulness, and with joy, and with his correct image and the, the correct profession and everything. It's just we need to be joining together to seek him in um, unity of the one spirit and the one Lord. And that's in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 where it says there's one body, one body of Christ, one spirit, even as you're called in hope of your calling. See, there's one calling for us, too. And it was in Second Timothy 1, 9, while ago, where he saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, created in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, and there's something else being taught about that scripture that's not correct, too. That God has a permissive will. Just because, you know, God hadn't struck us all down for not seeking his holy calling doesn't mean that he has another calling for us that oh if you find something you enjoy doing and you want to do it well you can just be in God's permissive will if God calls you to preach and you say you're making a lot of money as a businessman and you say well I don't want to preach but I'll just give more money to preachers and you know I'll, I'll bless the preachers with all this money I'm making and everything see that's not a permissive will for you if God's called you to be a preacher that's your holy calling and he doesn't say in this verse then that if you seek his holy calling, but then if you find something you would like better, that, you know, that, that'll be fine too. See, no, he doesn't say that, you know, there's a permissive will if you don't like his holy calling. And just like the scripture says, that, you know, the callings and gifts of the Lord are without repentance and everything. When we stand before Christ, we will have to answer for did we seek his holy calling or not? and put him first say Lord I'll go I'll do whatever it is but here in chapter 4 Ephesians says one body one spirit even as you're called in one hope of your calling see one calling one Lord one faith one baptism one God the Father of all now 
one faith. And if you look in verses uh, 11 through 14, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, building up in the Lord of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith. See, the unity of that one faith, not three or four hundred different denominations. And of the knowledge of the Son of God and a perfect man into the measure of statue of fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children or babes in Christ tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So he's saying as long as we're not joined together in unity, that one faith, that our society is just like a bunch of babes in Christ being bounced and tossed back and forth by all these different beliefs and everything. Uh, and that's what's going on in our society, in our Christian community. That's why God is not backing us up like he's backed us up in years past, but also in the, uh, his children of Israel when they sought him with all their heart, and with all their mind and everything. God was strong with them and backing them up against any enemy, any type of enemy. And he will us too. You say, well, how will he do it? You know, our country is such a mess now and everything, so many different religious beliefs and things like this going on. I don't know, but I do know one thing. I know he'll do it. If John three sixteen seventeen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now my revision is this for John three sixteen. For God so loved the people of the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that Jesus should endure the loneliness, the suffering of the perfect walk of faith, and the painful sufferings of his seven sprinklings of his blood on the cross, by the crown of thorns, the plucking of his beard, the nails in his two feet, the nails in his two hands, and the terrible stripes on his back, that Jesus would go through all this suffering. God allowed these sufferings in his mercy so that all of God's already pre-elected and predestined people prior to birth to die and go to heaven, that they would actually die and go to heaven. That sounds so ridiculous. If only predestined or elected people prior to their birth go to heaven, then there would have been no need for the work and suffering of Jesus no one's destiny would or will ever be changed by Jesus' suffering and death on the cross for our sins and salvation because everything required for our salvation would have already been done prior to our birth by God's act of electing and predestining us to heaven or hell before birth. After God has predestined us to heaven or hell, there would be no need or no more to be done in heaven and earth. It would already be finished before our birth. So what's happening here is the devil hates Jesus so much that he's come up with this Calvinist, devilish, deceived theology that would have us think that we're predestined or elected prior to birth to go to heaven or hell, and that would make all the suffering and work of Jesus as our Savior totally unnecessary, totally worthless, and Jesus totally useless for his life and death on the cross would not change anything prior to you know people 
dying and going to heaven or hell because it's already been done by God predestining and electing them to heaven or hell before we were born. See how ridiculous that is? Good day. God bless you. Christians, we have a new heart from God and the Spirit of Christ, God's power in us. God is love, and His Spirit is in our hearts. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, God, casts out fear, because fear is torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love or God yet. So in James 4, 7, the scripture says, Submit therefore to God, or His Spirit in you, Resist the devil, fear, and he, the devil in fear, will flee from you. When you start getting apprehensive about something, like starting to fly or a storm coming, looking ahead at what might happen to you in your job, your health, don't just worry and think about these future events, or maybe something that you're even going through right now. Philippians 4, 6 says, when you start getting anxious, turn to God then, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Your request and your concern to be known to God. Worrying won't help you one bit, but it will cause you to miss God's blessings to you during that time. So, choose, make the choice yourself to set yourself in submission to God in prayer, talking to God, and counting your blessings from past things, experiences with God. Then watch the devil and fear flee from you. Now, always let your anxiety be a red flag to remind you to pray. God loves you. He will hear you. And in first Colossians one twenty seven, Christ in us, our hope of glory. So have a good day. God bless you. And be set free. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings 
at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark.
You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. 